turn to John chapter 4. Ed's going to put it up on the screen for us. We're going to look at a few verses. <clears throat> We've been talking about needing the power of God in our lives. All of us here would say, yes, Jim, we need the power of God. Life's tough. You know, you get weary. You don't get sometimes out of bed. Just You don't pop up quite as quick and as, as easily as you used to. We move a little bit slower, don't we? We need God's strength. We need His power. But we also need His power in uh, uh, our lives to, uh, obviously, just to be revived. We've talked about a lot about revival. And we talked about, you know, revival and what is it and what does it mean? What will it look like or, or maybe some tendency? And we go back to Scripture as far as revival, the day at Pentecost, what it looked like when uh, the people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, different things, just the, the fire of God. We, we play the song here in this place uh, entitled Revival. And uh, the words of it mean a lot to me and I'm sure to you also because it talks about, and he's going to bring them all back home. We have loved ones who need the Lord and, and we have people that maybe, maybe they, when they're younger, they came into church and, and now they're not having anything to do with uh, the assembly of God's people together. I just believe he'll bring them all back home. That's my hope. I talked about also last week and sitting on the deck there of, the, <coughs> of that uh, cruise ship um, and watching people and, and looking and observing. And, and what some, one of the songs they were singing is, you know, I've got friends in low places and all. And I thought about, everybody knows that song. And I'm thinking, what if, if they would start singing that, our, our hymn, How Great Thou Art? How would, how would that happen if that would break out here uh, on a cruise ship or whatever? And you say, you know, Jim, but aren't you far-fetched about these things? Not really, not really. I believe. You see, my God is a big God. And my God can do anything. Okay, And I believe it starts by believing that, not something just working it up emotionally. I'm talking about truth. My God, you know, uh, Jesus always said, you know, with uh, what was a centurion, I believe. And the centurion said, I I'm a man under authority like you are and, and all. And he said, I know if you just speak the word, then I believe my servant will be healed. Then, and he, Jesus said, he's healed. And he said, I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel. And faith is believing God. I believe Him in spite of all these things. What's happening in our country today, I believe is something very, very wonderful. I believe that obviously things are happening as far as the economy is concerned, uh, different things in our relationships with other countries and all of these things. But ultimately, I don't hang my hat on that. I hang my hat on Jesus. Amen. So what happens in the natural, what you see is sort of like a renewal, almost a, a awakening in the... Uh, the, uh, the natural, it will happen in the spiritual because the natural always comes first and then the spiritual. Uh, I'm going to share some thoughts today also about that that I believe are really encouraging regarding some things that I believe are happening today and people are sharing that. And again, uh, I always believe, you know, until Christ comes, we're to get ready. No matter whether the revival takes place in our time, our age time, or in the next generation, I believe God wants to do this and I'll never stop believing. I believe that's the heart of God because He loves people. He loved me and you. And He loves people enough to send His only begotten Son into the world that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then we talked about developing a prayer life. How would that work? And I mentioned, begin with 15 minutes each day, reading the Word, getting into the Word. I, I've, I've, again, I'm starting and here several, a couple, three months ago, I started reading through the scriptures again. Uh, chapter in the Old Testament, chapter in the New Testament, 
and then in the Psalms and the Proverbs and all. I'm going to work through the Bible again. And I'm not reading it just for information. I'm reading it to encounter God, okay? So before I read the Scripture, I'll ask the Holy Spirit that He would speak to me through His Word. So I take my time and read through it, just not just to try to get out of it and then get up and do what I'm the things I want to do. Read the Word, meditate upon the Word, study the Word. I believe that uh, God will bless your life as you do. So that's one thing we talked about, prayer life, talking about it. just spending 15 minutes alone, quiet. I do that. I've actually, I usually get up, I've been getting up at 6 o'clock for years and years. I'm getting up now at 5.30. I'm not saying this to be pious or to boast at all. I'm just saying, as an example, this is what I'm doing. So as the Lord leads you, don't do what I do just because I say that. Listen to what the Lord says. I get up early and I get my coffee and I sit back where it's quiet and I start reading the word and all. So we'll share a little bit about that. So I want to talk about today something very important. In John chapter 4, Ed has it up here. And uh, if you'd like to stand while the word of God's being read, or seat, position yourself before the Lord. The Lord is okay with it, okay? All right, let's read it together. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four more months, uh, four months more, and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus, the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I send you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, <clears throat> and he stayed two, two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Amen. God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Evangelism talking about it today. That's what we're going to talk about. You know, when revival comes, there'll be many who will be brought into the kingdom of God. There will be many who realize and are confronted with the holiness of God. They'll come, they'll realize that they're sinners in need of God's grace. And just about at that same time, that it's a mystery and how people are born, born again, but at that time, they will receive the grace of God into their lives and they will say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I receive him. I believe him. I put my trust in him. I put my full life in him. All these things will happen when a move of God's Spirit comes. Now, let me tell you, I, none of us here would say we don't need God, okay? I'm sure of that. And none of us would say here in this country that we, would, we don't need God. You've seen things happening today. You can look at it in the natural realm. You can see the debates that are happening. You can see people who uh, have no hope, who need to know that hope. Because I'm going to tell you, life is scooting away. And again, you don't have to have a birthday like I did yesterday to realize that. You know, We know that every day. It's hastening. Things are, are moving quickly. 
And so you and I need to be ready. But until that time, there's something that I believe is very important because we don't wait until revival is fully manifested. We want right now to see what Jesus was saying. And so the first thing I want to mention this morning about this scripture is, is when Jesus was telling his followers, he said, look at the harvest. Now, the harvest is actually equated with unsaved people, people who don't know Jesus. Look at the harvest. Look around you and look at, at the harvest. He says, and he says, and many Samaritans in, of that city believed on him because of the word of the woman who testified, and he told me all that I ever did. And so when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And then he goes on. And then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you've said, for, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the word, you, the world. You see here, Jesus came to an unlikely harvest. The Samaritans were outcasts. They were people that, um, obviously, they just were not in the mainstream of society. They were people that uh, had been rejected. They were uh, part Jew and, and part Gentile and all. And so they, Jesus came to people that were not likely. How many times have we looked at people and uh, we said, you know, um, man, they're too far gone. I mean, look at what they've done. Maybe they've done something really extreme. And you look at them and you go, gosh, they're, I mean, they really are in a dark place. And then somehow maybe you just turn your back and, and you turned away from looking at them as a part of the harvest. I know I have. You remember me talking about my cousin Larry. I share the story because it's a typical example, and it's my example of that, my cousin Larry. And he and I were raised on a farm, and we, we worked on uh, laborers and so forth and, and worked uh, when we were much younger and all. And, uh, and my cousin was rough. I mean... Language was tough. It just his lifestyle was tough. He uh, obviously my my mother and father took me and my brother to church, but he didn't go to church and all these things. And so, as we parted and I moved to Houston forty years ago, is that I I would pray. I prayed for him and I'd say, Lord. And basically, in my heart, I would say, Lord, if you can save Larry, you can save anybody. Remember? Have you ever thought that? If you can save him, you can save anybody because he's rough, man. But I want him saved, Lord. And forgive my unbelief because I know you can save him. You can do it. All things are possible with God, okay? So it was one time I went home. One of my relatives died, and he was there with my father, and he was sitting on the couch over there, and I went over and sat by him, and I said, what's happened to you? What's going on with you? And he said, I got saved. I said, you got saved? And he said, yeah, I got saved. And I was sitting there, and I you know, people had told me before that Larry's life had changed. He was a truck driver. He had quit school when he was really younger, probably only in, had an eighth, eighth grade education. And so he drove dump trucks. He did that, made a living for that. And I ta started talking to him. And, and as he talked to me, he said, yeah, he said, I, I got saved. He had married a Christian woman and uh, they, she took him to church and had heard the word of God. And he gave his heart to Jesus. And he would tell me, he said, you know, I, he said, I will sit in my truck, the cab of my truck every morning and open my Bible and read the word of God and pray before I get out on, on the job and, and picking up loads and so forth. And I, don't, I just scratched my head. I said, my goodness, Lord, thank you so much. But I was kind of felt in that sense a little guilty because I thought, Lord, if you can save, I always thought that. I literally thought that. Lord, if you can save Larry, 
You can save anybody. And you see, sometimes we see people like that, don't we? We see people we think are too far gone, but not according to what Jesus is saying, not according to the Word of God. Jesus is saying, look around you. The harvest is ready. Don't wait. And the disciples were saying, wait a minute, just give us four more months, and then it really be, will be ready. No. He said, don't wait now. The fields are right. There are people that are probably living in pro close proximity to you and to me that don't know Jesus Christ. And you see, their eternal destiny may depend. Now, God is sovereign, but his, their eternal destiny may depend upon you and me sharing the truth and the word of God to them. And so we just say, wait a minute, wait a minute. And so it's very, very, uh, I mean, we're living in a world that I believe that that harvest is there. It was there when Jesus was there. And it was, I don't know how many million people were on the earth when Jesus walked this earth. But look how many billions of people are on this earth right now that don't know Jesus and all. I want to encourage you with this today because God used an immoral Samaritan woman to start revival in that region of Samaria. She had five husbands, you know, the scripture talks about here in John chapter 4, we didn't read. He has five husbands, and then she's living with somebody. She basically, they were classified, if you look in the, in the Greek, that she was a prostitute. And that's the one Jesus went to, the water at the well. She was one that had basically ruined her life. And yet Jesus spoke the words of life to this woman, and this woman yielded her heart and surrendered her heart to Jesus. And what happened? She went back and began to tell everybody else, this man told me everything I knew. And when they, she did that, revival broke out. Wouldn't it be great if somebody that maybe God has put on your heart to share about Jesus and what he's done in your life and all, and when you do that, that that person starts a fire in your neighborhood, a fire of the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't it be great if somehow, even in this neighborhood, in this vicinity of League City, that maybe we share the word of God with somebody? Real simply, because you think, I'm not a theologian, and I don't know how to share my faith. Just tell them what God has done in your life. Begin to talk to them about Jesus and all and so forth. You don't have to beat them over the head about it. You're not to be impolite, but tell them what God has done in your life. You can ask them the question that may start a conversation is, is what do you think happens after you die? Now, that'll start a real good conversation, won't it? What do you think will happen after you die? We sometimes, you see, what happens, I remember, in, in, certainly in the book of Joshua, as I'm reading through that, is that a lot of times we forget what God has done, and we don't want to share that because we're afraid that somebody will reject us. We're afraid that somebody will somehow turn away from us. We're afraid maybe a friend may, may say, hey, I, I don't want anything more about to do with, because you're, with you because you're a Jesus freak and so forth. We're afraid of all these things, and yet Jesus is beckoning you and me to go out and just share our faith. What do you think happens after you die? And then you can share it. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he is the savior of the world. I believe that he died for my sins. Real simply, all of us know that simple truth, don't we? And we can go out and do that. This lady, the Samaritan woman, she, she was uh, obviously not somebody you thought Jesus would use. And many times that's the case. You know, sometimes if you look, and what I like are these bikers that are for Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes you go to Galveston, and I mean, it's like, the other, it was last Sunday when I was going home, it was like 
like 50, maybe 50 or 60 bikes were flying by me. It sounded like a swarm of bees flying by me. And I thought about it. Some of them have had the, on their, their, their coats and all. They're all dressed the same. They love to ride their bikes. I love bikes and all. And they, they're, they're all the same. And yet somewhere on their apparel, there is something that testifies about Jesus. Isn't that great? Some of these people, you wouldn't think. I mean, they're just interested in their bikes and they're, they're interested in, in going out and raising blank. Right? And yet many of them have come to Jesus, right? They've come to Jesus and, and all. They're unlikely. And yet they gave their heart to Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? That is so wonderful. And the Living Bible says it like this, verse 35 of John 4. Do you think the work of harvesting will not begin until the summer ends four months from now? Look around you. Vast fields of human souls are ripening all around us and are ready now for reaping here. But sometimes, you know what the devil whispers to you in your head? Not now. Not now. Not, come on, come on. The first thing, a suggestion that the devil will talk to you about is, and maybe we can relate to this, and, and he'll say, you're not spiritual enough. You're not, you know, I mean, you're not a preacher. You're not a Sunday school teacher. You're not this. I mean, you haven't really just studied the Word, and you feel, I don't know the Word of God like I should, and so forth, and all these things. And so you'll make an excuse. We're not spiritual enough, you see. But you see, obviously, there are many people around us today that are perishing, that maybe the word of truth would quicken their hearts and they would walk into the kingdom of God. You see, this Samaritan woman, she wasn't a theologian, was she? She wasn't someone who know, knew everything. All she did was tell what Jesus did. And man, revival struck out. And, and just a fire of revival began. And that whole town became, uh, became uh, got saved here, you know? She'd been married and divorced there many times. She felt obviously that. And yet Jesus came and lifted that guilt off of her and that shame. She knew she was forgiven. And so often the devil says, you know what you did last week? You remember that? You spoke those harsh words. Oh, you did something, maybe a blatant sin and so forth. You remember what you did last week and so forth? And what do we do? We begin to withdraw. And we say, hey, I'm not spiritual enough. God knows I, I really blew it last week or maybe yesterday or even today and so forth. And so we don't share our testimony with anyone. And the devil says, hey, I got you right where I want you to be. To be. That's what he tells us. We're to share our, our uh, faith with others. You see, my prayer is for more encounters with the Lord, greater experiences with the Lord, for more, Lord, more of you, Lord to walk with him. I am not, obviously, y'all know that, and Cindy can tell you, I, I, I haven't arrived yet. But that never stops me from sharing the truth and the word of God. You remember here several, several weeks ago where, you know, I had uh, talked with a friend of mine on the north side, and uh, he had asked me about doing his funeral. Oh, y'all know the story. And I, I talked to him and told him, I said, I need to know where you are, where you stand with Jesus. You want me to do your service? You know, I'm a Christian and you know, I'm a minister, a preacher. I said, I need to know. And I said, I said, before you die, I need to know what decision you've made about Jesus Christ. And he said, okay. I've been reading devotional. He was uh, in his early 80s. He said, I've been reading a devotional about this. And he said, I, I knew he was seeking. I said, okay, fine. The week before he died, one of his good friends, it was called in by his wife, and he, he went in, and they had told him that he was terminal. And I knew he was terminal because of what he had talked to me about. I'd had friendship with him for years. I'd done his funeral wife 
his wife's funeral for about eight, nine years ago. And uh, the guy walked in the hospital room and, and talked to him about Jesus, and he bowed his head and asked Christ to come in his heart, his life. And what that man said was, he said this, he said, uh, he shared simply the truth about that, but what the man he was witnessing to said, he said, I don't feel like I'm good enough. And he explained why. No, you're not. But Jesus made us right with God. And it's Jesus. You see, what happens is we feel we're not worthy. Not a preacher. Not somebody that's just been studying and man, a scholar in the word of God. And then what happens is the devil just says, you're not good enough. I'm not good enough to be honest with you and neither are you. But Jesus makes me right with God. It's not my righteousness. It's Jesus' righteousness. And so when the devil starts talking to you about uh, you're not worthy, you're not worthy, and you can tell him right back again, no, I'm not, but Jesus made me worthy. It's not about me anyway. It's about Jesus, okay? And it's about telling people about Jesus Christ. That's where it's at. And remember, he accepted the Lord, and I, I preached his funeral with other people there. You know, you say, well, what happens? They're not interested right now. And, you know, in hospice all those years, I had many people not interested. Really, I want to tell you and give you just a little bit of encouragement on this is, is just plant the seed. And when that person hits rock bottom, they'll look up, they'll remember, and they'll call upon the name of the Lord. I believe that. They'll have a choice anyway to call upon the name of the Lord. But see, we don't plant the seed. We don't say anything because we say, hey, you know, um, there, it's just not time. Jesus said, you're going to wait four more months? He's telling us the harvest is ready now. And he's saying it to you and I. Here in this country, in this, this vicinity, people are ripe for the harvest because they're out there with no hope. They're in despair. The Bible says in Psalm 14, it says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You see, all of creation screams the existence of God. Every human cell screams the existence of God. And God has put eternity in the hearts of every person. And that's in Ecclesiastes. He has set eternity in your heart and my heart. In other words, you're thinking and I'm thinking, it's got to be something beyond this life. And what is it? And when people begin to explore that, and when they have someone come and share them the truth of God, you don't have to be a scholar again or a theologian. And you share your faith, what Jesus has done for you, and that quickens their heart and says, bingo, that's what it is. Eternity will be with Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit of God for all, all eternity. You're talking about the destiny of people. We need to take that in consideration. There's a book entitled out there, It Takes More Faith Not to Believe Than to Believe. <laughs> Doesn't it? I mean, all of creation screams. Somebody put this together, didn't they? Look at your heart and how the valves open and close at just the right time and your heart squeezes and pushes the blood. How many times per minute that heart pumps and so forth. If you just think about it, somebody put it together. Supreme being. Now, alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous used to have that in Jesus. It was Jesus Center. Now they've gone more of a generic God. And they, they say a higher power. He has a higher power. His name is Jesus. He's a, he's a King of kings. And so another excuse they say is, uh, wait until you get your own problem solved. Solved. you got so many problems now. How can you share with anybody else? Look at you. Look how imperfect you are. 
That's what the devil tells you. Don't share because if you get it all together, well, let me tell you today, in my life, if I waited till I got it all together, I would never share my faith. And maybe you wouldn't either. Wait until you get it all together. Get your life right now. Nothing wrong with obviously seeking the Lord on that. But don't wait because he says the harvest is ripe even today here. Remember, we're not preaching ourselves. We're preaching Jesus. It's not about me. And so we need to obviously pay attention to that. Luke chapter 10 says this. says that after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Let me say it again. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest, pray to the Lord Jesus to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. And obviously, Jesus makes another observation about the harvest. He said it's great. It's plenteous. It's all over the place. The harvest is always already around us here. And he sent out the 12 there. And, and, and I want to ask you, are there people in your circle of influence that maybe that you're just saying, you know, let's wait a while. Let's wait. You know what? If they're ready, plant the seed. And at the right time, God will use it. You may be the only Jesus they see. You may be the only one. You may have been here, obviously, because the Bible says you're here for such a time as this. And I am also. So be a, pay attention to that, obviously. The harvest is plenteous. The harvest is out there. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to tell you that. It doesn't take me telling you that. You know that. You see people around you today. You think everybody, because most people in this country, a lot of them feel like they are Christians. And when I did hospice, most people would say, or a lot of people would say, I'm a Christian. I start talking to them and find out they had no idea who Jesus Christ was. You think because we celebrate Christmas and Easter and so forth, that that means everybody knows about Jesus and so forth? No, not at all. They believe it's some kind of special holiday when they get a couple weeks off or a few days off or whatever it may be. They don't know who Jesus are. You and I have the answer. So here we go. If the harvest is not the problem, what's the problem? We're the problem. You see, the laborers, it says, are few. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth the laborers here. You see, some of us, we will not share our faith. And so, you know, he's saying, send forth the laborers. Jesus is saying, and I believe that's a prayer you and I need to hold on to. Send forth the laborers. Because obviously the laborers are few. And I pray that. And I want to encourage you to pray that. And put that on your prayer list. Pray the Lord of the harvest for laborers to go out into the harvest, okay? And that includes me and you. Share your faith. Person at H-E-B, whatever it may be. Just look at them. Share with them. Encourage them. You know you don't have to uh, hold up the line or anything like that. Because <laughs> you could get in a whole heap of trouble from the people behind you. You may have words spoken over you. But the other thing is here, he says, you go out. And he says, you know, you go, go out as lambs among wolves. So there'll be people that will reject you and me. There'll be people that will, won't respond to you and me. You see, some people will take and plant it. Some people will water. And but God gets the harvest. God's the one that brings them into the kingdom. The Bible says that no man comes to the, the Father unless the Spirit draws them. And so we just need to pay attention. My prayer is, you know, uh, uh, many times is, Lord, what are you doing in this person's life? What are you doing in this situation that I can join you in? It's a prayer that I think is very vital. 
but obviously it's something that's very, very important. The other thing is we need to pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest, okay? Why don't we witness and uh, serve? It's because we don't know who we are in Christ, you know? You're born again, you have a birthright. It's uh, obviously, it's not our behavior. Either it is earned uh, salvation or either it's grace for that salvation. One or the other, which one? You can't earn it. It's not by your behavior. Your behavior may be terrible. My behavior may be terrible. I may have said something, thought something, or, or had a motive that I didn't even realize whether or not it was pure or not or whatever it may be and so forth. And, and I start condemning myself. And Jesus is saying, you're my child. I've placed the robe of righteousness on you. God sees you like he sees me. And I'm going, that, that just blows me away, doesn't it, you? My behavior is not always right. I still sin. I stumble and fall. But I don't stay down. I keep confessing to the Lord. I get back up again. And I ask him to forgive me. And I move on. But what happens, the devil says, you need to stay back right down there on your knees where you belong. Get back down there. And you don't know who your identity is. And so sometimes, remember what, um, what the Satan, when he tempted Jesus there, remember the temptations? And he said this. He says, if you are the Son of God, then say to these stones, be turned into bread and so forth. And he said, if you are, everything he said, he was questioning Jesus' identity, but really, in reality, he was trying to get Jesus to question his identity. We are children of the Most High God. If you've been born again, hallelujah. Amen. We've been born again. We are saved by the blood of the Lamb. We've been redeemed. No one can pluck us out of the Father's hand according to the Word of God. And it doesn't depend on your behavior. Now, He sanctifies us and so forth. But that's God's work and our cooperation. But if you feel like you have blown it for the last time I talked about here, the real unpardonable sin, and that is obviously the ultimate rejection of the Holy Spirit. Harden your heart so much that when the Holy Spirit knocks and says, you know, wants to reveal that you're a sinner in need of God's grace, you reject it and reject it and reject it until you can't hear that still small voice. That's the unpardonable sin because you'll never come to the Father. The Holy Spirit the third person of the Trinity is the one that draws you and, and, save, and the one that saves you, touches you, born again, okay? You know, if I had a bad week, what happens? Then somehow I feel like I'm not worthy. That's what happens before you come to church. You go, man, I didn't do this, and maybe I spoke a heart, harsh words, or maybe even getting here, somebody cut you off, and you had a bad thought. I know none of y'all have that but I do. And what happens? You come in here and it restricts my worship because I feel like somehow all of this is based on my, based on my behavior and it's not. You're a child of God. That's who I am. I am who you say I am. A song out with that line. And I am who you say I am. I'm a son of God I'm a daughter of God. It's very important to understand that because what happens? You have the accuser of the brethren. He goes before the throne of grace. You know, he sits on, you know, you've seen kind of little illustrations like a little little uh, demon sitting on your shoulder and he's whispering to you, you'll never make it. You're sorry. You're worthless. You know that? You, you're just worthless. And you know you believed upon Jesus Christ and you start believing that stuff and before long you're depressed 
you're down in the dumps and you're in despair. It's not who you are. Say, get out of here. Rebuke Satan in Jesus' name. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Get away from me. That's not God. God bless it. Don't take that. Don't receive it. That's why we don't witness many times. You need to pray. You need to pray the Lord of the harvest here. Obviously, it's we need to uh, share the word of God. Romans 10 says this, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You go, there you go, Jim. It's your job. Says preacher. But a preacher in here, and that's, this word means everybody. Do y'all know y'all are preachers? <laughs> y'all know that? You're preachers. You're preacher. You may not be called to a pulpit ministry or in that pastorate situation, but you're a preacher, and so am I. And he's talking to all of us. He's not just talking to, to some of us here. God is good, amen? You know, we feel like he says, go in the home. If they reject you, then kind of like knock the dust off your feet and leave. But you planted a seed. Hospice situations, I'll kind of uh, share a couple things. Remember when I, was, I shared this thought, because some of them stick in my mind. I was uh, in hospice. It's funded by Medicare. And Medicare says, you cannot proselytize. Medicare is real strict. You start proselytizing and all, they want to shut you down because you're talking about God. That's changing. Don't trust me. That's changing. But when I first started, you know, 30 years ago, and I went in a home up in Kingwood, and a man didn't know Jesus, and he was struggling. And I started talking to him about Jesus and started sharing with him the faith and so forth. And, uh, and uh, he said, I, I, I don't know if I can accept Jesus in, in my life. And I said, well, think about it, and I'll come back and see you. And uh, I came back, and he said, I've been thinking what, about what you talked about. And see, I didn't pray with him. I just prayed a prayer. He didn't acknowledge and ask for Jesus. But that next time he did. He asked the Lord to come in his life and save him. And it wasn't too long after that he died. Well, his daughter, who I had met, but found out what had happened in her father's life about getting saved because she'd been praying for him for years to get saved. She wrote a letter to the CEO of the hospice that I was working for. Well, obviously, the cat's out of the bag then at that point, right? Because the whole place knew. Well, Jesus... Jim's over here leading people to Jesus Christ. So the note, the letter is being passed down to the different bosses and finally gets to my boss, who was not a Christian, one awesome lady, but was not a Christian and all, but she knew that I was, and she respected that. And over the years, you know, I was able to talk to her and all that, and she just said, I don't believe in Jesus the way you believe in him. I said, that's, I'm on. I'll pray for you, and you pray for me. And went on. She got it. She said, look at this. She gave me the letter, and uh, the the of course the daughter. <laughs> the daughter was like, "Wow, this! I am so glad." Why was it? Because it was a father, but also, it's somebody's eternal destiny. It's an eternal destiny, obviously. Um, this is a case where. Do I do it because the government says I can't do it? Or do I keep on telling people about Jesus? You see, I, I don't care what people say. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. Amen. And y'all are awesome to sit here and listen to me week after week. And I pray God's blessings upon you every day. 
And I pray that God would work in our hearts and lives, but I'm not stopping talking about Jesus. I had planted a church in West Houston years ago, y'all know. And I prayed before that and prayed throughout that ministry at that church that if just one person came to Jesus Christ, then that church plant was well worth what had been put into it. And I know, I know one and more accepted Christ before uh, I left and started with chaplaincy. One person. And that's the way you and I should see it because you may have neighbors that are, you know, way out there and all, and yet we sometimes don't do it because of different reasons. Wait, maybe wait, just wait. Jesus said, it's ready right now. That's the question today. We got to pray. We got to step out. We got to go. But, you know, I was thinking the other day on the cruise deck of the ship, and I was sitting over there, and I was drinking uh, my coffee, and I looked at the numerous number of people, and I said, you know, uh, Jesus had compassion on them there in the Scripture because they were sheep without a shepherd. And I looked at that mass number of people all over that deck, and I thought, what would it be like if I could stand here in that and get a little podium before all those people, they're here having fun. Almost everything was good and not anybody's rowdy, but what would it be like if I could share Jesus with that, those people on that deck? All of those people that need to know Jesus. You know, a lot of times we're too busy. We're too busy and, and we say, oh, I have, I've got too much to, to go. And I just believe a prophetic word has been given here in this church that says to go. You and I have got to step out. We've got to move out. We've got to share our faith. We're living in perilous times. Remember the story of the prodigal son? He had wasted, in Luke 15, he had wasted all his father's inheritance. And, and then he finally, he was eating the pods and the pig's pen. He had come, I mean, he, had, he was block bottom. And he turned and he said, basically what he was saying was, maybe my father will allow me just to come back in the servant's quarters. And when it says he came to his senses and he turned and he walked towards the father, he was going towards the father and the father ran to him. You know what the father did? He put the robe on him, which is symbolic of righteousness. He didn't reject him. He put the ring there on him, which is a symbol of authority, authority that we have that's delegated through us to Jesus and through us. He put those things, and he said, and the sandals, and he said, kill the fattened calf. Let's eat. Let's have a party. Because my son, who was once lost, has been found. Amen. And it says, when one sinner repents and comes and accepts Jesus in their heart, there are angels in heaven that rejoice. It's really very important. You got to go. But sometimes I want to stay. You need to move out. You know, I would ask today that you would say, Lord, what are you up to in this person's life? And then would ask for boldness to share the gospel. A lady up in Montgomery County one day, big farmhouse, a lot of land, and walked up there, walked in with the social worker who's also a Christian, good friend, walked in, and it was this big room, big bedroom. And she was under, I'll never forget it, under this bed with a canopy on it and all that, and she was laying there. She was terminally ill. And what, she wasn't that old, probably in her 50s. And when I walked in the room, she locked in on me, and I saw her just staring at me. I had never met her before. 
And I walked in and I knew then I started praying. I said, Lord, you're up to something here. Just show me. And Melissa, the social worker, she went over and started trying to console her and so forth and all that. And then Melissa, I think it was prompted by the Lord. She said, you don't need to talk to me. You need to talk to Jen. And I reached over, took that lady by the hand, never met her before. And I asked her, I said, do you know Jesus? And she said, no. I said, do you want to know Jesus? And she said, yes, I do. And we prayed and I said, we'll pray that God would come in your heart, Jesus come in your heart and forgive you of sin because he's your Savior and your Lord. And you claim that today. And she did. She bowed her head. She, she died within the next two weeks. I walked in on another young man. He was sitting there. And some of the, 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 the rooms I would go in would be really small and all. I remember it was a small room. I remember he was sitting there on the bed. And he was a young man. And he walked over and he looked at me. And he said, I've seen you somewhere before. And I'd never seen it before. And I said, you have. I just knew God was giving me a heads up that something spiritually was going to happen. And I asked him. I didn't even know him. I said, Do you ever, have you ever asked Jesus Christ to come in your life and save you and forgive you? He said, no. And I said, you want to? And he said, yeah, I want to. I want to ask Jesus to come into my life. And he did. He died uh, not too long after that. I, I, I was visiting with a man who, who had, uh, was an alcoholic. And a lot of times in alcohol and drugs, there's a, just something about it. I don't know, I can't explain it, but all the people that I saw over the years is that somehow they really feel shameful and guilty and all that. And, of course, Jesus takes our guilt away. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I walked, and I sat there, and, and I started explaining the gospel about grace. It's grace. It's not that you're worthy again. It's because Jesus has made you worthy. So receive him, believe upon him, and he'll clothe you in his righteousness. And he finally, he finally did. I visited with him sometime. And finally he said, I want to do that. And he asked Jesus to come in his life. He, asked me, he had asked me to do his funeral. And I did his funeral and he came into the kingdom of God. Maybe, obviously, that's what you look at today. I'm not sure. But if you think of it in terms of nothing in the Bible says we get a second chance after we leave this world. There are people that are that are going out into eternity, that have never made a decision for Jesus Christ. Most people will believe in a generic God. Most people will say, well, I believe there's a God because, again, all of creation screams that there's a God. But I'm talking about his name is Jesus, and he is the Savior of the world. And I ask you today, is he your Savior? Have you made that decision in your life and said, I want him. Maybe you have, and maybe sometimes, you know, it, it doesn't, he, you're in, he's in your life, but you might be want to come back to it and revisit it and say, Lord, I, I need you in my life, and I want you in my life. I want to be able to share the truth with other people. Maybe you haven't done that because of whatever reason. Maybe you said in four months, lay it more, I'll do it, or whatever. Or maybe you'll say, I'm going to be rejected. Or maybe you'll say, they're not ready. And the Bible clearly says they are. So the question is, have has God prompted you? What is the God? What's the Spirit of God said to you today? That's the question. What has the Spirit of God said to you this day? I just believe there are decisions being made all over this room right now. I believe that there are things that really will change your life and my life. Because yeah, I share the word, but let me tell you, the word is spoken. When I speak, you know, when you point your finger like that, there are three pointed back at you. That's what I'm doing on it. But it's pointing right back at me. How about that? And so maybe the decisions, it's, it's, it's prompting me to take another look.
and say, don't wait too long. Plant a seed, and at the right time, God will make it grow, but they'll never ever know if you don't tell them. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and thank you for your presence, your love, Lord. Thank you. We praise you. Father, decisions being made in this place today, I just bless them. That's between you and them. But I bless them in Jesus' name. I bless all of you here today in Jesus' name. I bless you that God would prosper you. That God would prosper you in the spirit and the natural. That God would take care of every need that you have. Whatever it is, financial, whether it's a health need, or whether or not it's just maybe you're just saying, I want to come to the Lord this day. You can always talk to me at any time. I'm available. I'm open. I love to talk about the Lord and listen to people. So whatever the decision is today, just Father, seal upon their hearts. We just pray that all glory and honor would be given to you. My Jesus, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs>